Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have the almighty director and filmmaker Ozan Byron on the show to shed some light on where he came from and what inspires the work that he creates. I was first introduced to Ozan's work through our mutual friend, Kaisal Selim, a while back and was instantly just really taken aback by Ozan's ability to really capture the raw and, and direct feel that it is to to drive and experience a car at, at its limits. And he does such a wonderful job of representing that experience in such a beautifully cinematic way. And so I, I knew instantly that I really wanted to have him on the show because he just had a true artist perspective and it was very unique. And this is something we talk a little bit about in the show. And there's also, you know, the concept that Ozan's work is, is often imitated and it's never replicated. And I really firmly believe that he's a true creative through and through. And, and I know that those of you that are out there that do this same kind of thing or create work, you're going to really relate to this episode. So um, we're both really excited to bring this one to you guys. So here we are, everybody, episode 176 with Ozan Byron. Let's roll. We're happy to have you here, man. A big thanks to um, my buddy Kaisel Salim. He's the one that introduced me to your work. He was, I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're Love familiar him. with Kaisel. And, and I yeah. was uh, I was doing like, I was showing him something and he was like, oh, dude, you guys see Ozan's work. And I was like, who's that? Yeah. And then he was like, you haven't seen the pencil oil things? Like, no. And he like yelled at me and sent me the links. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is insane. Like, this is, yeah. this is how you do this. Like, finally, um, you know, like, I, I think like, what you're doing and what Petrolicious is doing, it's like the perfect blend. For so long, I feel like cars were represented improperly a lot in films. Not like Steve McQueen had it really well. And I think there's yeah. a couple other people that represented him well. I think Ronan did it. Ronan, dude, massive. Yeah. Yes. Massive. Ronan is huge. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. Even like, um, I don't know if you ever like trolled the internet on car shit, but there was um, a rendezvous which was a rendezvous. Mm. I think I'm pronouncing it. That's from like the seventies. Yeah. Some French director like slapped on a camera on, on his Mercedes. Yes. Uh, and I just did that. like a, did a run through Paris. Uh, and it was hardcore, man. Like just raw, just like, not, yeah. raw which was uh, impressive. Which is what driving is. Usually it's like this, um, it's this feeling, you know, like you get, and, and it's hard to capture, I think in the form of, of film, if you're not genuine about it, you have to yeah. be completely like connected and genuine to the art form itself. And oftentimes, you know, you'll see car commercials or just like, I don't know. It just feels like, I don't know, like a computer Pedestrian. nerd. Yeah. yeah. Very, or like somebody that doesn't understand really what it is, you know? And so that, that was really, that's that. So I'm letting you know, that's really like when, when Kaisel sent to me, I was like, yeah. Oh, this guy, he understands it. He must have a car and he must drive hard and he must understand like how cars, um, you know, the, the way that they feel. I, I was going to mention also a recent film would be like drive. Um, yes, that, that was, that was well done. And also like there was a couple BMW commercials and BMW commercials used to fucking slay, you know, like BMW um, films, man. Yes. BMW films. That's what like, it was. It was like, and it was a guy, um, Guy Ritchie, I think was in that. Guy, was, guy or Clive, was it Clive? No, Guy Ritchie, I think, was one of the directors. Um, yeah, BMW Films, car commercial. 
Um, but they they had just they they represented cars really well, and it got you like super pumped about yeah. like, owning a BMW. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, I know. Yeah, and and it just I don't know, it's super rad. Yeah, it's called um. So it was Clive Owen, and and I think Guy Ritchie was the director. And there was so, like seven films or something yes. like. Yeah. Um, oh my god, who's the guy that did the first uh, uh, Ang Lee? Yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of directors back in like this is like early two thousands. Um, I used to watch the stuff. I remember I bought. I didn't bought. I got like a bootleg copy of all the series put together. Yeah. I used to watch that shit, like analyze it. But though, then again, like, like some of it was really cool, but me being a car guy, I was just always wanted to see more from those things. Same. Um, it's never enough. I just like, yeah, it's just like, it's, uh, it was interesting seeing other directors takes and different. Uh, oh, there was another director um, who did, uh, I think powder keg. Um, I forgot his name. Um, but he did one of the films as well, but there was a whole range of shit like SUV four door sedan. And there was this, the coupe. Um, and some of it was rad, man. Like I was like, that is awesome. I yeah. want to do that. <laughs> it's just rad of a company to do that. Yeah. I remember it being like the M five, like the E M five. Yeah. Like, Madonna. Yeah. 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 That's right. Exactly. But that's cool. Like it's cool that, um, I, I obviously I, I figured as much, you knew this and that was your pedigree. It came from like, you know, being inspired by these things. So, which is really rad. Um, definitely feel it in your work and stuff. And yeah, watching the Pennzoil stuff, I was like, damn, you know, like, and, 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 uh, yeah. So we're just big fans of what you've been doing. So thank you awesome. for, you know, getting us inspired. And I've sent your work off to friend, friends and people that do this kind of stuff. And I'm like, man, this guy, you hire this guy, this guy knows what he's yeah. doing, you know, like get this guy on what you guys are doing. Cause you really understand how to combine those two, those two art forms. So, yeah, cool. um, with the show, the, um, I mean, we already started, but it's a, it's a, it's a, oh, it's, a, it's, a it's a raw it's conversation. A, and so okay, we just, yeah. we kind of just go into it before, you know, it, two hours is going to fly by and then, and then we're going to, you know, go and do whatever we're going to do and keep making art and all that stuff. So, but, um, the, the way I, the, the things I really love to extract from these for people is oftentimes is people that listen to this show are they're like myself are just curious and they also mm -hmm. want are inspired and want to know like the journey, you know, sometimes some of these people that listen to the show are like the, you know, they're entering this world, you know, being creative yeah. and stuff. And so, um, the one thing I really love to start off the show with when I have guests on like yourself is talking about where'd this all start? Like, how did, how did you decide to do what you are doing and to, that got you out to where you are today? Like, what well, was there a pinnacle thing? Was it like, yeah, you know, a birthday gift, you got like a car and you're like, dude, this is the jam or like, what was it that kind of just sparked that first internal, like uh, initial love of things and how did that kind of um, mm -hmm. expand to where you are today? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, shit, man. I used to like, obviously I think like every kid was fond of, hot wheel toys and stuff but yeah <laughs> i used to like mimic slow motion like on the on the dining room table or like in my food i used to play cars in my food but i was fascinated with <laughs> suspension compression on hot wheels for some reason um just seeing the like tire go into the wheel well hmm. in slow motion i was just fascinated by that um and i don't know i like i don't know what sparked me i like i fucking love cars i fucking live for that shit um it's all around me. I just like, I think another thing as well was growing up and maybe I noticed this. I don't know if anyone else noticed this or this is a weird thing, but when I emerge on the highway, my dad will be driving on the highway. And if there's an oncoming lane that merges with you 
And if you're in parallel with a truck or a bus or a car and you're in sync and you're merging at the same time, I always thought that was like an awesome shot. Hmm. Um, just dynamic movementness, like merging onto a highway with another car, like with shit flying by signs or anything like that was, I don't know. I just found that cool, visually cool. And this was like kind of before, um, I got into film art, like during high school and stuff. Um, and that's always kind of stuck with me, like just like seeing cars from a different perspective that I guess no one else kind of captures right now. Or I guess a lot of people are kind of imitating right now, as I see quite a bit. Um, but I don't know, like the core stuff of where it originally came from. That's like something I have to really think about. But I used to play a lot of um, like DOS video games. I wasn't allowed to have a, a console when I was growing up. So I was banned from playing video games. But we had a <laughs> PC, though. Hmm. And my father brought home um, Test Drive 1, which is a DOS game, like super analog. I think it was like 8-bit or 6-bit hmm. um, analog songs. And you can drive manual in that game. Uh, and I remember that he had a choice of auto and, and, and standard. And to use standard was the A key and the Z key. Um, and it was awesome because you could like drop the clutch on this analog game and drive around. It was very simple, but to me that was like the only thing I would play constantly over and over again um, out of all the other video games. And then I remember um, 3DO came out, which was like the first CD game a console that required like interactivity or whatever. Um, and there was another game, Need for Speed, obviously, the first game of Need for Speed. And I think that's what really got me into capturing cars in a new perspective because besides from playing the game, I would set up a lot of moves within the game and then I'll watch replay. Because I remember the Need for Speed game, the original one, I think it was SC Special Edition. It had an awesome playback um, system where you could change your angles um, you can like set up reverse and play and in slow motion. Um, and I never completed the game. I just kept on playing that. That's all I did was set up mock moves around corners or scenarios or jumps or even crashes. Um, and I wish I could record it at the time, but make my little, like little movies mm. from need for speed. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. The video. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Cause you could basically make your own little films inside the game engine and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like a Diablo, there was a Porsche, I think it was like an RX-7, like old school 90s. Mm, um, the yeah, the best shit, like the awesome stuff. <laughs> and the sounds were pretty cool. Like for me, I was just like, I thought it was the best sounding stuff. Um, but I think that's a kind of like a whole bunch of stuff kind of like inspired me over the years. I guess as I was growing up, mm. that I just kind of fell in love with um, and really inspired me with that shit. I noticed uh, the thing with car guys, um, car people, um, it's like, it's either you are a car person or you're not at all. You know what I'm saying? It's very polar. Yeah. It's a very polar experience. I don't know if you've experienced that as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think I have. I mean, like I'm a car guy, but I don't get into like the technical shit of like hardcore stuff, like parts and model numbers and all that stuff. I mean, like I own the only car I've driven in my life until recently was the Hachiroku. And that's all I've driven and owned. I've had one of those. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, like, I don't know. I just, like, the simplicity. only car, huh? It was, yeah, it was weird. A lot of my friends gave me shit, like, dude, go buy a new car. Like, why are you constantly, like, I don't know. I think it was just a fun little car that you can just beat the shit out of. The 4AG, right? 
Is that what it is? The four AG. Yeah. Um, I was <laughs> for those that are listening, that's uh, the engine. Yeah. That's the model number for the engine. It's a little four-cylinder engine um, that's in this little... And Hachiroku is also known as A86, which is a Toyota... Yeah. I, yeah, it's a Toyota Corolla um, for like the normal people that don't know about this kind of stuff. And the the thing that made this car kind of special and unique um, was this art form called drifting. I've had Ryan Turek on the show, so if you've listened to that, you know, you understand what that is. And so the drifting kind of came about, and it originally kind of came from this guy named Suchia who would drift his the drift king. Yeah, yeah, the drift king. He's kind of the he was the guy that figured out like the way that to set lines a little bit differently from other people, which is kind of throwing your rear out. And the Corolla was special because it was a, it was incredibly light B it was incredibly in rear wheel drive and is in yeah. very affordable car. So you could, you could like throw it without like worried about it so much, you know? So not so much now, I think it's a little bit different because of the hype. It's kind of changed the value of it and stuff. But back in the day it was kind of like the equivalent of i guess it's still the equivalent of like a honda civic so um but that's kind of what makes those things cool and i, I noticed in your icon your your skype icon that oh you have, my god it's probably outdated yeah embarrassing but, yeah but is that a that's the coupe then right that's not the i don't know which one it is i have to check it it's um, a it's like a panda style two-tone. so it's got oh, the black, yeah, two-tone. black hood. Yeah. yeah two-tone yeah i love two-tone. the style of that. Yeah. <laughs> so so retros man anything from the 80s that's oh, um, the best plus is a win on my side so <laughs> um that's cool that these because that is a real uh driver's car like it's a very yeah. unique driver's car too it's like akin to like very small you'll your european cars too light and small not a big american kind of cars which is no. a totally different experience too in and of itself you still only drive your Hachirokus, huh? I I do, yeah. I mean, like, actually, I lied. It wasn't my first car. My very first car was an Alfa Romeo GTV6. Oh, okay. um, and I only I only owned it for like a month until I realized I couldn't afford the payments or oh, yeah. the uh, the servicing <laughs> on it because I had to pay uh, Ferrari technician rates for this Alfa Romeo. But I only bought it because <laughs> one of these movies I used to watch as a kid, besides from Ronan, an older movie was Octopussy, which is a James Bond film with. Um, uh what's the actor's name in there uh sean connery i think, I think was in that one not sure no roger moore i think roger it was moore? Okay. um anyways james bond films usually have our praise for the car chases and stuff so there was a gtv6 in this thing and i saw that the car chase was awesome and i wanted to buy one so i remember i all my work money i just shoved into this car and bought it and didn't realize the uh the money pit it was <laughs> But yeah. that was my first car. But that's pretty was, rad, though. That's pretty yeah. punk rock that you went out and got the James Bond car for your first car. That's just <laughs> because of the car chase. Because of a three-minute car chase, I saw that thing. It <laughs> sounded amazing, and I wanted to have a piece of it. Uh, then realized that I couldn't afford it and actually drive it that much. <laughs> Can you uh, imagine naming a movie yeah. Octopussy now? They wouldn't even fly. You see, <laughs> oh, police would cool. have a fucking field day with that shit. <laughs> that's crazy. It was 1983. That was when I was born 35 years ago. And I'm just like remarking on that name, though. It's quite hilarious. James Bond uh, as a character is just hilarious. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. They had some good car stuff in those films, too. Some pretty good stuff yeah, in there. Quite a bit of stuff. I mean, stuff that has always inspired me in those films. Um, James Bond. I always would go to the films or watch them just for the car stuff yeah. in general. Same Z's. Yeah. Cause they've always been, uh, something I always look forward to. So, yeah. 
And that's so now you so now you have um you still just have your coupe, your eighty six? I do. I still have my coupes. I had several of them, man. I was like a slut with those cars I bought. <laughs> Maybe like You have a parts car and then you have a good one, you had a race yeah, one, <laughs> a commuter I have one. A winter, oh, yeah, a commuter one, I have one with no like interior in it. I have one I gotta drive like wear earplugs with. <laughs> um just total impractical, but I think I just love the simplicity of those little Japanese cars. Yeah. Um, and now that they're coming quite rare and all of them are starting to get quite rusted out, um, they're difficult to get your hands on one, especially a clean one. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I still going, still love them. Like I just, it's, I think I will never let go of it because it's just, um, nostalgic for me that I love. Um, and I don't know. It's like one of those things, once you get in one and you drive one, you know, it. it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's a go-kart. It's hard to say. Yeah. yeah basically. It's yeah. a light little go-kart for the street and you're able to kind of just, and it's so fun once you understand how to like just pivot it. I think that's, that's, you said it perfectly for people that are maybe rolling their eyes or don't know what we're saying here at the moment yeah. that you actually understand how to drive one of these things, you get it. Um, you, Oh, okay. this is what it is. You know, my first car was yeah. a 71 Plymouth Valiant. It was a big, huge <laughs> American car, you know? And so the second car I had was a 91 Honda Civic hatchback an EF nine. And awesome. I was like, all right, wow, this is, this is more like what I like. <laughs> and then, yeah. then I went on and I got obsessed with cars. And then I, I really, I often say like, I owe cars to my success in my art career. Cause it was like, I didn't care. I wanted to just be like a starving artist, like, you know, I live yeah. off of $5 a day. I don't care. <laughs> and then I was like, oh man, I need all these car parts, you know? Oh crap. Now I got to. I got to spend all this money and I got to earn money to pay for this like itch, you know? So, yeah, I think it's, what's also like helped me like film. Cause I used to film with that thing quite a bit. Mm. Um, and also my buddies had, uh, I live in Vancouver, Canada, which is like, um, a pinnacle for exotic cars and like anything's up here. You name it. We have it up here. Um, I think we have like the highest, like per capita of like, um, a luxury car that's like over a hundred grand really in North America. Well, it's yeah, an expensive it's place, a, Vancouver. It's a very expensive it's, place to live, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a whole nother conversation on its own, but, <laughs> um, I had access to a lot of toy or I guess toys or cars that I wanted at my fingertips. And I used to film them quite a bit. Um, and my A86 was my little camera car that I used to mount too slow. But once you get up to speed, you could, uh, to a certain point, keep up with some stuff um, <laughs> to a certain point to yeah. a certain point on on downhill uh, curvy roads you're you're doing just fine yeah yeah <laughs> not an but, uphill and not in straights yeah yeah or if but you're it, trying to overtake someone yeah basically no, so. yeah it's really difficult you have a little sewing machine engine in there so but i love those because of that reason i love the uh the, the underpowered factor of it you know a friend of yes. mine had a 2002 and same kind of kind of concept of a car experience, which is light, old, and underpowered, but you could just wind it out, and that's what's so cool. I have a a ninety three NSX is supercharged, it's all freaking crazy. It's all got all that oh, stuff to it, and and wow. it's, a, it's a full on like race car, and and I can't, I I rarely can push it ten tenths. Because yeah. if I do, then I'm just uh, it's very You're sketchy. Kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I do appreciate and remember those those moments of, of driving those cars. And there's something really akin to I think just um, 
grounding yourself with that experience too and remembering probably helps you along with your film career too it's like absolutely remembering yeah. the basics and, and keeping things raw and direct and honest do you feel you get an inspiration from your cars and stuff i do i mean i, mean, I think the corolla especially because it's very basic no power steering minimal electronics like um standard like you feel everything i think that contributed to a lot of my raw and grittiness of capturing performance because the car itself is just like that like um and i think that like i'm not a i'm more of an amateur racer and drifter um so i'm not pro by any means but i think it gave me a better understanding of how car physics work maybe i think that's what kind of uh translated into my work quite a bit um, or just understanding like limitations of what cars can do and how to capture it specifically. Yeah. Um, and, um, there was another game, sorry, going back to video games. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an online game, um, called live for speed, live that, for speed, huh? live for speed that I think at the time when it came out, it was one of the most realistic racing simulation games. So you could go in and adjust all your cameras, uh, performance, uh, ride height, Hmm. tires and all that stuff um but that game alone also had a massive online com community for online gaming and there was a uh, a third-party plugin that was like a movie maker where essentially you could go in and and film your own stuff and capture it as well but i think that also kind of gave me a perspective on trying to capture things uniquely along with my car as well and just trying it in the real world there's a lot of things that i could never do compared to the drivers that I use, like Reese Mellon or like Ken Block or all those other guys, that if I can get them to do it and if I can kind of capture it from a perspective that hasn't been seen, and I think that's fucking cool and a lot of people haven't seen it, then I think it should be cool. Um, yeah. I mean, that's really important to me. And I think taking those risks is what, um, I, like, I don't know, I've never seen it before. Like, especially through Ronin and all those classic films, they're, they're classic in my mind in terms of film, filming cars and movement, but um, just capturing it from a new perspective that's grounded and realistic is, hasn't been really t being tapped into, I think. Like, unless I'm wrong, uh, but just from my perspective of me growing up and watching maybe some things I haven't seen, um, I was never satisfied. Um, Same. And I think I'd, I just was gravitated towards things that would kind of give me that control or at least simulate it and I can kind of see it. And I was like, Oh shit, it'll be awesome to film this in real life and let other people experience it. Hmm. That's what um, filming is, right? That's what making films yeah. are and, and expressing yourself is showing people how you see the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was huge for me. And the other thing as well, I don't know if you watch my Penzoa films, mm -hmm. but besides from visually watching it, you got to crank up the sound. Oh yeah. Sound uh, is all. Yeah. Sound is massive. And in my work, that's like, I have to put that first before my Smart. visuals. I heard um, a good quote from Gareth Edwards. I'm not, do you know who Gareth is? He's the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The director. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He said something pretty great because he went off and made Monster. And there's a great documentary. Uh, not documentary. Well, he does have like a documentary behind making monsters. But um, mm -hmm. he said that if you have really great sound, the audience is willing to forgive the visuals. Or you yes. can hide the visuals, and and I, I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I think is often overlooked because visuals is usually the thing that you feel you you experience more. But it is actually opposite. You actually hear things. Um, people won't 
I don't tolerate bad audio. Speaking of really quickly, I don't know if you're using like a headset or something, but it keeps cracking or something or like a, oh. yeah, I don't know if it's shifting or moving. So, <laughs> so oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, Sorry. No, it sounds great. I think it's just like movement or something like that. But, oh, okay. um, but yeah, it's one thing I was going to, I really wanted to talk to you about in the, in your productions or your films is just like how incredible the audio is and like how, yeah. you, whether you do it yourself or you pair with the genius because like, man, it's just like, yeah, I couldn't imagine your work without audio, the audio. The, yeah. Like, like you said, audio, at least in my mind, kind of parallels the visuals and complements everything. Yeah. Um, and it's important. I fucking love sound. I think if I wasn't in film, I'll be in sound editing. Um, cause I just, I love that. I think also because of growing up in this understanding when the sound of a clutch drop and all those little details, um, I think for me, I wanted to exploit that experience and like put it together with visuals, things that you would normally not hear, um, besides a soundtrack that would like wash it out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but sound is, is huge for me. I mean, in a lot of my work, when I, when I do my previses in a previous for you guys don't know what it is, just a little, uh, mock setup of what you're going to be filming ahead of time, like a little animation. Yeah. Um, I previews the shit out of, out of my work doing little films. So I just know that what I'm doing and what everyone else is doing, but I do a lot of the grunt work on sound pre sound design and all my, on all my stuff that I do. Um, and I work with another artist, Charles Deenan, who's a, a mastermind, probably one of the best sound designers, I think, in in the world basically um he used to do all the uh sounds for need for speed Mm. a lot of gaming stuff so his background in car knowledge especially audio wise was um basically like the best uh marriage (laughs) for both of us that's awesome to bridge our our stuff together um but sound is incredible i think i spend more work on sound on my edits that's interesting that's really smart that you do that too i love pre-visiting too because especially um, I would imagine with shooting cars and something that's moving and really hard to control, kind of like animals or something, it's just yeah. like you have to plan it so concisely, know what lens you're shooting with, um, the range, the what's moving, how it's moving, where you're moving, um, you know, are you, oh, we're using a jib arm for this or no, we're using yeah. this, you know, there's so many different factors and um, I was, I was going to ask you about that, how much time you put into previous. That's great to know that you do that. And I also noticed in some of your work that you're like into CGI and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Is that right too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess growing up, I've, um, tapped into a bit of everything. Um, like I did editing, I shot a lot, like I'm basically the indie filmmaker that just did everything. And if I wasn't able to get what I want, I would just learn it and then do it myself. <laughs> I love so that. A lot of, That's my way yeah, too. <laughs> and, and I come from that background of doing everything myself. And if I could, I wish I could. Very Canadian, I think too. Yeah. All, all my, all my Canadian friends are like that. They're like, well, I'll just do it. <laughs> it's like, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I never had access to, um, big resources or other stuff. So I would always would cheat. Like if I didn't have a dolly, I would use a skateboard. If I didn't have um, microphones, I would like borrow something from something. Sure. Um, but being very hands-on, and I think that's what's kind of, I bring that to a lot of my productions. Like I cut back on a lot of shit because I just want simplicity. Don't need all those bells and whistles and sliders and all that stuff. Um, but that indie filmmaker in me, I think kind of, 
translates through a lot of my work, I think. I feel um, it. I feel like you're able to catch a lot of shots. I bet you're pretty resourceful with how fast you shoot, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. after doing quite a few of those Penzoil films, it almost becomes procedural in terms of um, getting stuff and also scraping the barrel in terms of running out of ideas and how to film stuff. It gets sure. so difficult sometimes um, trying to get inspiration. But um, going back to the sound design, um, that was a huge thing for me. I love bass drops. I love huge sound elements, even if it was exaggerated, like a guy sh- shoving a gear into like second gear mm. and just showing that massive. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And if you can complement with that, with like an RPM rising and mm. then showing like another shot, man, you got something that's awesome. And to me, that was rad. Like I actually didn't care what other people thought, but I just, I want to see that. Like I, that's cool. Not too many films have done that or anything that I saw was really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's what and, I get with your work too. And, and that's something you keep bringing up. I think is really interesting too, is your obsession with originality and authenticity, which is what we should be all striving for. Right. Constantly. Mm-hmm. But it's what it means is you're in constantly in a state of like, displeasure <laughs> and, yeah. yeah it's very difficult to be honest i, I do it for myself not to, not to be like selfish or whatever it's but good. i do it be, yeah. because i want other people to experience it because I, there's nothing out there that's like that especially for automotive filming mm-hmm. um like now i think now the trend is starting to catch up with i started you know it's like a lot of films yeah ken's uh-huh. been ken and his jim connor stuff i mean that like i felt like they've been doing a great job with capturing kind of absolutely what ken's yeah. been up to and stuff too and I, we'll talk a little yeah. bit about ken what he's been up to and all that stuff yeah but sorry i didn't yeah. mean to interrupt your you're talking a little bit more about your your obsession and love with with merging the sound and capturing yeah. that and putting it together i mean just doing it all myself especially a lot of my buddies would help us out film um but there was this um camera that came out um, I think it was the first 24P camera. It was a mini DV, DV camera. It's called the DVX100. And there was a, a, a an online forum group that formed called DVX User. Um, Jim Gennard, no, sorry, Jared Land, who's like, who works at Red Camera, um, was one of the founders of that online group. But anyways, it was a community of filmmakers that was online, international. Um, and this camera enabled you to film 24P and mm. back then, this is like early 2003 or four. Yeah, baby. Um, that, that was huge in <laughs> that my mind. And that deal. was yeah. <laughs> game changing, especially for mini DV. Let's explain to people that might not know at 24P and why we would obsess about that for those that might not know. Uh, 24, it gets into technical stuff. It just sure. looks good. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's like film, exactly. It's mimicking what yeah. we're used to, which is what big budgets had, which is film. Film is almost always um, shot in 24 frames and shutter mm-hmm. speeds usually double that, usually 50, and you just have that feel. And yeah, and that's what changed the game. It really did. So and uh, I, I can't absolutely. wait to talk to you a little bit more about the gear stuff later on too, because I'm like yeah. all gear horny right now (laughs) it's really it's it's so good for people like ourselves that love to create like to be able Mm -hmm. to have these tools it's just it's just ridiculous yeah and the key thing about that era was affordability yes Um, and i sold my alfa romeo and made a massive sacrifice and bought this this camera Mm. as a tool um to help me film my stuff um but yeah i mean like i come from i come from that indie background of just doing everything myself, getting buddies to help out as much as possible, cutting corners to it in a way that if I couldn't find one way to do something, like to get an aerial tracking shot, 
like I can't get a helicopter. I can't get any of that. Um, but I would start thinking outside of the box and like ride the sky train, which is like a, an above uh, train system that we have here in Vancouver. And I'll ride the entire route and look for roads that run parallel to the sky train, not to the it. train. <laughs> and I, I would spend my time on weekends uh, filming or finding this. So I found a couple of sweet spots and I would use that as a shot because it was for me to get value and it looked cool. And it's not your traditional way of filming on the street or whatever. Um, so those are things that I've always thought of. And I'm still used to doing that. Like even I always have to remind myself or I'll get in trouble of of like, oh, man, like I can just do it myself. You don't need to do permits or any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I constantly do that because I'm used to that and I'd rather do that. Um, and even things like we used to do a lot of illegal shit uh, <laughs> filming um, especially in Vancouver, we have a lot of one-way streets, so mm. I can't afford uh, permits or anything like that. And even if I did to do permits, I'm just opening up a can of uh, a can of worms, essentially Bullshit. problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I know you need Vancouver a producer has, for that to guard you as the director from yeah that experience. Yeah, it starts getting into a bigger thing, and then Vancouver is um, basically like Hollywood North, and we have a massive film community up here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I couldn't do that. It's just too many steps, too many people. It slows everything down. So I guess the producer (laughs) and me would, I'll get my buddies and we'll just basically, I'll separate them about, everyone will will stand at a, uh, at a traffic light. Um, and then obviously we had like cell phones and stuff or text them. And then I'll tell them to hit the crosswalk to block the traffic. So that was my way of like blocking <laughs> traffic. Um, and that would give me like a 30 second window yeah. of blocking traffic. And then there would be a car that would just like do a massive burnout, like going down downtown. Um, but that was it. my way of doing it. Like yeah. sniping a location, I'll go in like total ghetto style of doing it, but it was a way of me c- getting control of my surroundings hmm. in the indie way um, of doing it. And I still, I wish I could still do that. Like I wish, um, Obviously, like as I progress, productions get bigger and legal stuff. But exactly, I was going to ask still, you about that. Do you do you miss? Because that's one thing I noticed about like even like directors say like George Lucas, for example. Is I don't know yeah. if you've like followed his career, but his first film mm-hmm. was THX 1138 before a couple yes. other films, and then that mm-hmm. that film is very pinnacle film for me. I really love that film, and, and then he went off and made American Graffiti. You merge those two. That's Star Wars, and then yeah. you know, and then. They, they, they killed him, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, it literally yeah. killed him. And then and like, I, and I think to myself, like, uh, man, it'd be so cool if George just came back to that indie film era and just went off and made another THX or like a documentary kind of thing, which I know he's totally capable of doing. It's just, mm-hmm. and I saw that with Gareth Edwards too. He went off and made monsters and then he went off yes. and, and then he had, he made Godzilla and then he went off and made, I think Star it was Wars. Star Wars. Think, yeah. yeah. And, and so yeah. now it's like kind of probably you're following the same footsteps where it's like, you know, I think if you're unaware of like really what makes you happy in your goals, you get kind of caught up yeah. in what the industry says it is. It's the normal, you know, like, Oh yeah, you, you're creative and then you do this and then you have a, this guy and then you have a rep and you have this and that. And then you're like, before you know, it, you're like, I'm not even having fun anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, what's it, the point in this again? You know, it's weird. I think once it's, um, yeah, it's, it's like, I think once like simplicity is always a key thing for me. Um, but once it starts getting too big, there's just too many I'm not saying problems, but there's just too many people, too many chefs in the kitchen, too many rules. Like I hate rules, man. Rules drive me crazy. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Um, And I can find that I can get away with 
doing it myself or not telling anyone or going to a location, just getting the shot and then walking away from it. And I'll get what I want as opposed to like getting a cop to block down this and then cooing that or whatever, getting the city to approval yeah. it, um, which I part, which I partly understand in case someone gets hurt or whatever, but I just rather get that high of like doing it illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's authentic, uh, authenticity to it. Um, it's raw and it's like in camera and it's real. Um, and I think that's what, um, I thrive by, by that. And I wish it was always like that, to be honest. So, yeah, no, I hear you. And I totally, um, yeah, I totally, uh, agree with you. It's, it's something that I've, I've been finding, um, the, the more and more I learn and grow and similar kind of thing that happens where you lose touch with kind of, and I don't know if it's because it's like what we're familiar with and we don't like the yeah. change or maybe it is the change or like, you know, like there's no way you would be able to get some of these shots in these kind of cars probably without this, no. like, you know, this, this kind of risk and reward or this kind of sacrifice basically yeah. of, you know, clashing together. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know if it's, if, if you agree, but I think it's a matter of just understanding what you like to do and, and, and doing that, you know, continually. Yeah. Um, and trying to find that like daily bliss, I guess, is the key really. So you got to find out, got to meet in the middle at some point. But I mean, even like crazy shots, like riding, uh, a transit system car to get another shot. I mean, like, I remember like some shots took forever because like when you're doing something freestyle filming and when you don't have control, you got like drunk people on the train asking you what you're doing, <laughs> you got like like someone crashed on, I don't know, like there's someone pulled over on the road that blocks your, um, shot or something like there's so many variables. Yeah. Um, and I remember I spent, I don't know how much, like, I think the tickets were like two bucks, but I spent like 50 bucks just to get off one station, get back on, (laughs) tell the guy I'll be another 10 more minutes by the time I get back on the train. And then we got to queue it up. Um, and then as you get that shot, man, holy shit. It's like, it's all worth it though. Spent like three hours trying to get this like five second shot. Um, (laughs) And it's awesome. And then it's just like, I find that rewarding. I find that massively rewarding. That's the difference though, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that the difference? That's the difference between a pro and an amateur. I think is when the person's willing to, to go through that, to spend the $50 to deal with three hours, to get five seconds, you know, and the person that's willing to go like, you know yeah. what, it sucks, but like, I'm willing to go through this hell just because I believe in what I'm doing that much, you know, at least yeah. that's kind of how I've distilled it down. That's what I tell myself at least. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also being clever. Like there's a lot of stuff that, Oh, I wish I could do that. But finding a cheaper alternative version to do that, to get that shot. Um, and then people question like, Oh, did you actually have a helicopter? And it's like, no, just <laughs> shot from the, like shot from the train or whatever. <laughs> um, even for a whole bunch of other stuff. I remember, um, filming I did all these little dumb little stuff, but anyways, experimental things that no one would ever see. Sure. Um, but I remember I did this raid sequence, um, of, I wanted to film a raid sequence. I just wanted to film something like that. So, um, there was a, like a rental company down here in Vancouver. We can rent, uh, like armory and all that stuff. So I got a bunch of airsoft guns. Um, and I got a little bit worried because I had weapons or fake weapons and I'll be out in public and we rented a whole bunch of like fake cop suits and SWAT gear and all that stuff Oh man, uh, with, my, <laughs> with my buddies and stuff. Oh man. Um, and I was looking for a house in North Vancouver where I, where I live, um, that kind of looked run down and kind of shitty. Um, and I was kind of desperate and I didn't, I was worried because 
I couldn't just go up to a neighbor. I'm like, Hey, can we like break down your door and film it or whatever? Sure. Um, without having any money as well. Um, besides like, yeah, I'll give you a case of beer or whatever can help me out. <laughs> but I got shut down a lot, but a friend of mine, one of my buddies, um, well, I guess who I'm not friends with anymore, but he knew a friend that owned a house. Um, and I was like, perfect. He showed me photos of it. I went to the location. It looked awesome. And we ended up filming our SWAT scene, like four guys running into the place with like a um, hammer, whatever you call those things. Like the door hammer. This is your meth hammer. one, right? This is the meth one. Yeah, yeah. Holy, that was filmed on the DVX camera 24P. <laughs> um, and um, before we started filming, because I actually played by the rules, I actually let know the local RCMP, which is our uh, Canadian uh, police force up in Canada to let them know that, um, Hey, I'm going to be filming on the street. We have guns. And if anyone calls, like tell them not to freak out. Um, and just before we started filming, my buddy, uh, told me he wanted to show me something inside the house. And I was like, Oh man, but the cops are going to come. I just want to get this going. Cause our windows and we actually very short and the neighbors are already starting to look at us and like we're out in public and it's getting a little bit shady. Mm-hmm. Um, but we go inside and, I just had this weird feeling. I knew something was wrong, was going to go down. But I started seeing all these like massive cables inside the house that would lead down into the basement. Um, and we went to the basement and he showed me and it was a massive grow up inside this house. <laughs> uh, and I was freaking out because I'm like, dude, the fucking cops are coming in 10 minutes to <laughs> watch us film us break into this house and now there's actually a grow up inside this house like dude like uh, what the hell's going on it was absolutely crazy um i was shitting can, myself can't even write that stuff like the it's like stranger than fiction kind of stuff <laughs> yeah it's just like it was just weird because um like i don't know if the house was under watch or whatever but it was just odd that fake cops were breaking into this apartment and then there's actually this uh, rcm chick was outside she was watching us, but let alone she didn't know inside was like a massive grow up inside this actual house. Um, <laughs> and we just went with it, man. Like having that in my back of my mind, maybe it just made it cooler at the time, but sure. I just like, oh man, like this Adrenaline. is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. This absolutely. is some this is some of your older work then. So I'm on your website looking at it right now. So this is the this is some of let's put this in context, I guess, to where you are now. What year is this, this film? This was in actually, um, no, uh, no, maybe actually that's when it came out. I actually filmed it. It actually took me like a whole summer to film meth. Um, meth was like, I wanted to do a fake trailer to something. I don't know where it was going, but me and my brother, um, just mocked up something about, I think it was like inspired from like, um, the insider Mm. and heat or whatever. Sure. Um, and I just had a, a bunch of access to a bunch of stuff that I could get, um, I had access to a container port and this is all pre before, uh, or actually just right after nine 11 actually. Um, and I had no money. It was just like an experimental thing. So essentially it was like a fake trailer to a movie that didn't exist. Um, and just local actors like, I don't know, case of beer here and there. Um, I had a friend that was a stockbroker that gave me access to a AMG SL 55 for the summer. So I wanted to film with that. Um, but the meth trailer was essentially was a fake trailer to a movie that didn't exist. 
Um, and I just filmed a whole bunch of scenes and compiled it and filmed it on that DVX camera, which was 24 frames. Um, and I think that helped it, gave it its um, cinematic look. Um, I don't know what's on my website. I could actually update it, but the actual film itself was like five minutes long, three minutes long. Hmm. Um, I think there was a cut down in it, but I was so proud of that because I actually put it online on this online community. I got so much hate from it because <laughs> I told them that like, it was just me and a couple of buddies. We did it on the weekends when everyone was free. Yeah. I probably spent maybe my own money, like maybe like a thousand bucks on equipment like a crappy plastic tripod and bunch of a bunch of simple tools. Um, and I took a lot of time to get resources, find locations that places will, will allow me to film. Um, and I just like, I just did it. Like I wanted something and I took the time to find it and wheel and deal my way around locations to film it. Um, and yeah, it was just like a little passion project that, um, that, uh, I just did for fun basically. Yeah. Um, and I got a lot of hate from that because mm. I said it was for fun when people thought I spent like, like thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like how did you get a helicopter? Well, I got a helicopter because my friend won a draw for a free tour in Vancouver and I wasn't interested in checking out the mountains in Vancouver cause I see it every day. But I asked the pilot, can we like fly low above city residential stuff and not do the package tour? Um, and he gets to go home earlier and I'll buy him a beer at the bar. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Like that's, that's all I cared about. Like just simplicity. Yeah. Um, and I just <laughs> took advantage of that basically. Yeah. So that's wonderful. <laughs> and so people, so that's what, you know, the one thing that we could talk about too, I find really interesting is the creative community artists in general are oftentimes, which is really weird is they're very self-destruct, like they're destructive of others and jealous. Yeah. And like, it's like, what's the deal there? Like why I find that other artists are usually harder on artists than anybody else usually. And I don't understand, like, that's so weird that people would hate. I'm like, why would they, it's, it was, I don't know if it's, maybe it's, they're just jealous or, or what. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I think on anything that you post online, there's a love hate relationship. Yeah. Um, you're always going to get a sour apple in a group. Like out of 10 people, you're going to have one asshole that's going to comment on something that's just like, just wants to ruffle feathers. But like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, sorry, my throat's dry now. I just, um, I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, I don't know if it's like a, maybe cause I'm going out and doing it and they're not doing it. Like, I'm not too sure. I mean, um, I haven't really tapped it. Like, I don't know what they're thinking sure. that causes them that, but, um, it's everywhere and you can't please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and I do have to say that when you read those comments, they do hurt like out of anything, like, I don't know, at least for me, I take no, comments. It's good that you say that. Cause I, I think if you were to say no, it doesn't, it's kind of like, what? <laughs> no, 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 yeah. it, it, it does. Like I'm, I'm human. I'm imperfect, but, especially for something that I've like sacrificed, like making no money as an art serving artist, sold my car, like scraping the barrel on everything and trying to pull resources that literally took me six months to film on my own. Um, and I put a lot of effort into it and I've almost given up on a lot of stuff that I've done mm. where things don't work or I lost money or I don't know, like my buddy calls in sick. 
but then I just rented all this equipment. Like, what do I do? Um, (laughs) so I think there's just all this sweat that goes into it that at least for me was mentally, um, exhausting, um, to go through. Um, and then I guess hate comments kind of open up those points of like, man, you don't know what I went through to do this, but yeah, but it, it doesn't sure. matter, I guess, huh? Or they don't care, I guess it's like, which, which sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, it causes, I mean, there's a good thing about it. It causes, um, controversy and people to talk. Um, I mean, I remember I got a lot of people saying, Oh, we loved it. And like, where's the script to this thing? Is it actually a feature film? Yeah. Um, and I try to write that out as long as possible, even though there was <laughs> film to it. Um, but it's great, though, because it causes a lot of buzz. Yeah, of course. And you could um, use it. It's one thing I always encourage people. I often get asked, like, you know, what, what should I do? This and that. And I, obviously, I always say, like, just do a passion project. Do something that you're passionate about. Find what yeah. makes you happy and have no excuses and just deliver it, you know, like just do it. And, um, yeah. and I can see a through line for your career is like you did passion projects that obviously led to your commercial stuff, you know, like, yes. And they, they feed one another back and back and forth. You see like, you know, directors, even like David Fincher continually go back to commercials because of the freedom and the speed to try new things, try new yeah. people experiment and then take that yeah. over to the feature film stuff, you know, and then try that yeah. on the, the feature film stuff. Which I is think just, that's what happened. Like my first job was, um, by the way, I went to film school, but I dropped out. Um, it wasn't for me. I was failing everything at film school, but hmm, interesting. Um, what film school is it up in? Uh, this was a uh, crap. Long, sorry, not crap. Long, Cap college, or I guess it's a university in Cap new. They had a film program. Um, and I remember, especially graduating after high school, everybody wanted to do film because it was a cool thing. Everybody wants to be a director. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be a producer. Oh, I'm a writer. Um, and I went to that, that orientation program. And I remember there was like, it was a full house. There was like 300 people in this program. Uh, and I remember the prof or the professor asking, um, who here wants to be a director? And in my mind, I was like, oh shit, like this is me. I'm going to put my hand up, but I didn't. And the one thing that I did do is that I looked around me and everyone had their hand up. <laughs> um, and that gave me a reality check of like, man, there's some stiff competition in this world. Like yeah. Yeah. everybody's in it, but um, it was crazy. That, that totally gave me a reality on it. But um, yeah, like the film school thing was interesting. My mom, my mother wanted me to go to film school. Um, of course, you know, as a parent, you wanted like, all you want is your kids to be successful and represent you properly, you know, like and yeah. not be a jerk, jerk off, you know, so, and school is usually like what makes the most sense. It's a huge business. Yeah. It, it yeah. isn't. It's not for everybody though. No. And that's the thing. And I don't know if it was for me, but, and everyone asked me like, what's the best way? Do I go to film school or not? Um, and I think everyone has their own path, but for me, um, especially learning. Cause I've suffered a lot. Like I've been through times where just, it's difficult and it, it always is. I think any type of artist's work, it's a, a riding wave of pain, but it's worth it. It's worth that pain yeah. whenever you put out something. Um, but my film program, like, I don't know, maybe it was all theory, but, um, I'm, I'm actually like severely dyslexic. Um, oh, so me too. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a lot of trouble and I excelled in all the like handheld, like hands-on stuff, like camera stuff, editing or whatever. Mm-hmm. People were, were always coming to me, how do you do this and how to do that? Um, but I was 
bombing all the theory stuff. And I just, I was not doing well. And it was the four year program and there was a summer break and I took a risk. Um, I said, if I can try to look for a job and if I can find a job before school starts up, um, I'm going to ditch school and go for the job. Mm. Um, and last minute I got this job at a duplication house for duplicating. Uh, it was a post-production house, but they did a dubbing on VHS tape, which sounds, I sound freaking old saying that, but, <laughs> um, they duplicate. Anyways, I got my first nighttime That's job old in there. school, baby. <laughs> yeah. And I said, literally screw film school. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. Um, you don't need it I though. You don't, you, I mean, education's education, but you don't really need it. You can teach yourself everything. And, and most of yeah. it's just people like not having the courage to go out and do it. That's really the the thing, you know, not nothing against that. It's just, yeah. yeah. And if, especially because we have like a lot of film schools up here, like Vancouver film school. There's a lot of well renowned international film schools that are respected here. But, um, the thing that, especially what I learned is that I think once everyone graduates from film school and this is just my opinion on it, maybe I'm wrong, but as soon as you graduate, you, everyone expects that they're going to get a job like instantly right away. Very few maybe do like luck of the draw. Maybe you've done something that done something that someone saw or right timing or whatever. But man, there's a lot of people that go to film school and they accumulate whatever, like 50 grand in debt. And as soon as they graduate, they think they're going to be working right away. Uh, I see that as most people don't get a job like instantly. Yeah. Well, there's, um, not, there's not that many jobs. It, it's tough. And if you did, um, it's like, it's your luck. You totally got it. Or you talk to the right person, networking right away, finding the right people or being involved in the, in the, in the community and transitioning into that. Um, but like, I know a lot of my friends because I was going into film school, it was kind of like the thing to do right after high school. Um, a lot of people kind of gave up after they completed the four year program because they realized that it's like, no one's calling them. Like no one's knocking on their door. You got to go out there and fucking fight for it and yeah. prove that yourself that you can do it. Um, and the thing is, is that, and again, this is my opinion on it, but I think anything arts related, most people, in the arts field, they don't really care if you have like a doctor's degree or whatever in film and stuff. Yeah, in the yeah. end, they, they only care about um, your artwork and what you put out. And I think that's more valuable than anything. Um, so again, I always get that asked that question, what do you think is better film school? And I always say, if you're going to be dropping 50 grand in film school, why don't you just put 50 grand towards like a film or, sh or, or a spec or something and just make some rad shit. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll get more results out of that than graduating from film school and stuck and working at Starbucks to pay off your debt in the meantime or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's crazy uh, how common that is. Like um, people that graduate and then they end up working at Starbucks and waiting for it. You know, it's unfortunate. It's a real sad thing because it's a very common thing um, that I've noticed too. And it's like, damn, you know, like, why it's hard, man. It, it, it is hard. And I think that's what, and that's what makes the art so good though, is that pressure cooker, you know, the pressure that makes the diamond, the coal to mm. diamond. Like, and I think a lot of that just comes from being willing to take that risk and, and putting out that hard work, you know, and making it happen, you know, and, and that's really, um, that's what, diff that's what separates, um, the pros from the amateurs. I always realize it's like, you just like, I'm sure you've had days where you were wanting to give up or you're wanting to kind of, absolutely, you know, man. You know like, <laughs> what the like fuck, like I'm not making any money. Nobody's recognizing yeah. me. People are hating on my work. Like what the fuck am I doing this for? And then, 
And then if you just take a deep breath and you go, okay, okay, you know, I do it because I love it and I wouldn't have any other way and I can't do yeah. anything else because I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I'm yeah. a creative person. I need to get this out, you know? So, yeah. I mean, I remember, um, like desperate for work. I had my 24 P camera. Um, and I was just desperate, but dude, I've done everything, man. I've done weddings, baby, wedding videos, yeah. wedding videos, I've done porn films. I've done corporate <laughs> stuff. You've done porns. That's crazy. I've yeah. done, um, I've tapped into everything just, to work or whatever sure. creative and shoot stuff. Um, that's, what's crazy. Cause we don't see that when like, you know, we, we don't see your porn on your site, you know, or your, oh, no, no, no. it was more, um, <laughs> it was more actually, it was actually tasteful. It wasn't like the hardcore or whatever. It okay. was like, there actually were films. Oh, okay. Like four, cool. four, 45 minute films. Well, I was making um, a joke more or less. Like we don't like you <laughs> choose what people see of your work, you know, obviously yeah, no, you're no, smart no. enough to know that what you show is what you get, you know? So yeah. Yeah. But um, like, that's, it's funny though. Yeah. Same, same with the wedding videos as well. Cause the same style of my Penzo films are all my work, the aggressive, like schluck, bloom, slap, whatever that <laughs> rhythmic pace. I would actually film the wedding videos like that and it did not go so well, man. Like, oh, I bet they hate it. They're like, Whoa, like, why is it so crazy? You like, know? Why is there like 10 cuts? Why is there like 10 different angles of the wedding <laughs> ring? Like, but to me, that was cool, man. Like I, when I went to like, so um, funny. I can't remember what it was, but, um, I was working for another company that would hire me from time to time. Um, and maybe I was stubborn or whatever, but I wouldn't listen, but I would film it in a way as though I was putting it together and not think about, like you give me a sheet of like a to-do list, like capture the cousins, whatever, capture the venue, get the wide shot. But I would like throw that shit away and just get awesome stuff. Like, <laughs> To you exactly yeah i'll get like someone's cousin <laughs> to like push me on a chair and then like zoom and like use the pillars of the church like to get like an awesome shot um and i thought that was uh, so like that would be so like something original. dynamic yeah original, original. Yeah. Awesome, but <laughs> they hate then, it um, <laughs> then i would always have to hand over my tapes um and when you film with mini dv hmm. especially if you're recording it's not like digital cameras now with SLR shit where you can review what you're doing. Yeah. But once you record, you see everything like lens cap on, like things you're not supposed to be filming or whatever. But I was always nervous. Uh, I was actually, that was like, that freaked me out just handing over my work or yeah. especially, especially filming to someone else. The raw files. <laughs> uh, and then I would hear it like a day later, they'll call me like, what are you filming? Why are you filming like this? And so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I would like, <laughs> It just wasn't working. I, I just wasn't, I wasn't computing with it. Sure. Um, well, you were, you were just doing your thing, you know, and just, and you're in the wrong context completely, but yeah, just yeah. totally like, um, it didn't last very long. I never heard back. I think maybe it got to a point cause I was desperate. Like I was desperate for cash, um, to make ends meet. Um, but my last job I did as a wedding videographer, camera B person, um, I've, I totally, I don't know, I was totally asking for it, but, um, I would, same thing. I've filmed things I wasn't supposed to be filming or film shots that whoever was putting it together wouldn't understand how to put together. But if they took the shots cleverly, they could make something cool out of it. Um, then I never heard back from that company again, but then <laughs> I found out that wedding, the couple that I shot, they ended up getting into a divorce like the second day. Oh, and I was like, oh man, so you never looked at my stuff that I fought. And he's like, no, no, but you can come and pick up your 200 bucks. Oh, uh, I was like, oh, okay. But anyways, that was like my last, um, 
ADR free job that I've done. No. So it was like years ago, years ago. Uh, but man, like there's some people that can make a living out of that, but yeah, people love that. that. People love celebrating people's weddings and capturing those. That's, I mean, it, there's a part of it that's really cool. I remember working AV, like screen projection stuff for my uncle years back. Yeah. It's funny because it's like, you, you know, like, again, I was going to say, like, when people look at your work, they're probably like going, what did you just kind of like make this stuff? And then he's just awesome. What's the deal here? Yeah. You know, you don't realize yeah. like the, 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 the grueling steps of just kind of mm-hmm. constant, <laughs> I mean, my, my buddy, Anthony, I call it the, the circle of pain from Conan, you know, it's like the yeah. circle of pain, you know, it's like you're constantly <laughs> yeah. going at it and, um, you know, until you get to that place. And, and, and I, I was going to ask you like, what's that place for you? Where, where is that place lie? And what's a dream? What's that dream for you? Do you have it laid out? Do you have it imagined? Do you uh, write list? How is, how do you manifest? I don't it? know. I mean, um, I don't know. Like, I'll make a wish list of parts for my car. Like I'll have that type of list, but in terms of like <laughs> something for, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of going with it. Like I know what I like and I'll do what I like. Um, and I want to keep that going as long as I can. Um, like car stuff or films, not even car stuff, but just like cool shit. Making cool shit is important to me. And as long as other people, I can make other people, enjoy what I like or they think it's cool as well. That's important to me. So whether it's film or if I transition into like something else that's creative and if, if I find another audience that is, that finds it awesome, then to me that's important. Um, and seriously, whether I'm making like two cents or whatever, I, I honestly don't really care about how much it rewards, but I just find the reward of other people's reactions. And that's more important to me. Um, and that sticks with me. Uh, but in terms of like a long-term thing, like, I don't know, I've never really thought that high, like far ahead, like obviously like projects and things that I want to do, always working on shit. I'm always stressing about what's the next thing to do. Um, but I really don't know. I mean, I would love to tap into the feature film world, but that's like another journey on its own. Um, I'll just kind of take what comes my, my way. And right now I'm just riding that wave. How long the, it's going to last? The Pennzoil wave, baby. The Pennzoil. Oh my God. I'm like the Pennzoil boy. <laughs> you are Pennzoil um, boy. You got like 20 of these babies now, huh? <laughs> oh my God. It's just endless ongoing. Um, I imagine it's got to be fun and I'm, I'm, it's a big client. So it's not like you're working a it shoestring. Is, it's not like $200 a day for the wedding photography the, stuff. So. <laughs> the reason, yeah. And especially for automotive stuff, the reason why Pennzoil works so well and the reason why I get away with like with murder with a lot of car stuff that I film is because it's technically not for an automatic, uh, a manufacturer. Exactly. So you can just do what you want. Yeah. yeah, To a certain point, it's not for BMW. It's not for actually Dodge. We're, we're showcasing another car, but physically it's not an advertising piece for the manufacturer. So there's there's that boundary line where they fucking complain about what I do to their cars, man. Like, holy crap. (laughs) <laughs> um, but they can't do anything because they're just exercise those demons, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. Totally. Um, but I think that's why it's, it's true. It kind of works out because they took a risk as well. Um, especially B&W. Actually, I shouldn't say that. B&W took a massive risk when I did uh, airlift drift. No, sorry, airlift drift. The aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier, yeah. yeah. That was for B&W Canada. Man, they had no money to do that job. That was just kind of like we got this kid who can shoot pretty cool shit. Um, here's some of his stuff and let's take a risk on him. And I proposed them 
on because they wanted to do like the cliche stuff like having a score soundtrack i can't remember what it was i can't remember the boards that i got but sure i hate um, those you're like Ugh, just, really <laughs> just typical typical yeah. and i was also taking a massive risk as well because I'm like oh my god this is not gonna work um and we ended up shooting it um and i told them like fuck the sound fuck the music soundtrack don't do yeah. the score yeah the soundtrack is the car like Trust me, it's going to work on it. Well, at least I thought it would be cool. I didn't care what other people thought. But That's, that's, that's one thing you got to realize though, as, you're, as a director, they, they hire you for those things, you know, for your voice. They did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I told them, like, I know how, like, I, I can, I know cars pretty well. This is awesome. No one hasn't really donated it or exploited it. Um, it's the brand new M4. Um, I remember there was other concepts. It wasn't actually originally on an aircraft carrier, but there's like other versions of it. And then it ended up transitioning to a boat, which is awesome. Um, and we just shot it. I edited it how I thought it should come together. And then I called Charles Dean, my sound guy, who's my, my only dude that I, I go to, who at the time was doing uh, stuff for EA. He does a lot of game trailers um, and movie trailers. Um, and I asked him, like, hey, man, I need your, your gaming sounds <laughs> on, this, on this commercial, Some like skills. hardcore. Yeah. And, um, it was the perfect blend, man. It, um, it totally worked. Um, like I loved it. I, I, I thought it did what it needed to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it did pretty well. And then everyone else started doing the same thing. <laughs> that's the thing I was going to ask you about too, because there's something even on your site. It's funny when you go to your about site, it says like, don't copy me, work with me. And that's something. Yeah. And I noticed too, like, I think I was something like where people were doing direct like shot for shot ripoffs of your work too. Oh, and so how do you deal with that too? Because I mean, that's got to be incredibly frustrating because here it's you are. Everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I've, I've experienced it too. And I think anytime you are out there doing the work that you that you really believe in that you fully are coming from and being authentic yeah. and taking that risk. The moment you open, like it's almost like everybody's like, I don't want to do that. And then the person stands up and goes, I'm doing it. And then you do it. And everybody's like, Oh, I'll do it too. You know? And it's like, yeah. it's, it's like this weird thing that happens. And, um, how do you deal with that? Cause I know it's, I know I it sucks. I, to be honest, it, it does hurt. Yeah. It's good. Like, be honest. I, Cause it sucks. It, yeah. It's, um, like I, I don't mind, like I'm inspired by other artists. I need other artists to feel what I do. Like sure. I got to vent off other people yeah. and see what they're doing. But like, I don't mind if you're inspired by something or take what someone else has done and involve it and do something different to it. Like, I think that would be fucking awesome. But uh, like, this is where I think, or at least it pisses me off. Like when it comes down to copying shot for shot and using the exact sound from someone else's piece of work or use my work as an example. Yeah. Then I that kind of think that crosses the line a little bit. Like it does. You, it's you unethical. Into, it's robbery. It's not right. You creep into my territory and then I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like <laughs> you're the director, man. Like I don't care what the client says or whatever, but it's your vision. Why would you do it? I know you're totally referencing it and then you end up using it, but why would you copy something, especially shot for shot? Like I want to see your shot boards or whatever. Like, how, like what goes through your mind? Like I'm sure it came across his mind that no one will catch it. Then obviously everyone else has catch it. Then I get sent the links. Um, but it hurts, man. It's, I, I don't know what other artists is, why they do that or what fry them or they can maybe get away with it and not notice it. Yeah. Um, or they blame it on like, Oh, the oh, client, the client was requesting me. It. Yeah. The client made me do yeah, it. But, 
It's your vision, man. They, the client's coming to you for your style and vision, but essentially you're just mimicking what I just done. Yeah. Um, especially taking the YouTube file. That's the worst part, man. Like, um, I think what also makes my stuff easy bait is that in a lot of my work, not even my Penzo stuff, there's like no music. It's just sound effects driven. Um, so you literally, you can take that and then lay it in your own stuff. Um, so a lot of these copies or people that rip stuff, people are literally going online, um, downloading the YouTube files and then throwing that into, into their timeline and then using the audio to sample it or whatever to mm. edit to their thing. Ah. Um, and that's everywhere. And usually most of the time when I do email them, I, I just ask them to please delete the MP4 file that's on your timeline or don't use the audio for my work. Hmm. So you've um, reached out to people and what's I happening have, from that? I, so yeah, like some people, I I, I or sometimes I, I send it to legal. Like sometimes it's better when it comes from shell yeah. themselves, yeah, because exactly. they can uh, strong arm. Um, but some of them, um, I won't name names, but there's some people do it. No joking, shame um, them, shame, no. shame. No joking. There are some people that literally have taken it shot for shot, yeah. and that really hit a mark on me, um, really hard, and especially for Charles as well, my sound dude, because he it rips his audio. Um, especially when they give excuses about like, no, you're using this volume library. You got it from this and everything I do, everything's a hundred percent recorded. So it doesn't exist anywhere. There's, that's how much authenticity, especially when I film all my car stuff in the exact same way of all the action that has been filmed. Actually sound has been filmed in the same way. Mm. Um, re- realistically, everything's dubbed. Nothing's actually filmed on set. Yeah. And I can talk more about that afterwards, but um, that alone is, is at least for me, it's quite hurtful. And actually I'll get depressed about it. Like it's, it hurts, man. It's just like, how do you process I, I just, that then? Cause that's, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how, I mean, like I'll send it to my other people. I'm like, dude, look at this. Like, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know what you could do. I mean, I mean what can you do? I'll, right. Yeah. I'll vent and I'll get excuses or whatever. Um, but I just, I always level with them. I'm like, dude, artist to artist, man. Like, what are you thinking? Like, I love the stuff that you do, like your other stuff. And I find that inspiring. But when it comes down to plagiarism, is that plagiarism? Is that classified as plagiarism? Yeah, it's, it's the, it's a definition of it. Plagiarism is obviously more of a literary kind of thing, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just ripping off. I think it's it's being unauthentic, (laughs) being unoriginal and ripping people off. And I think the big problem comes when it's unethical because it's like, you're doing something and getting paid for it and then somebody's yeah. ripping it off and making money off of it. That's, I mean, if they're doing it and they're like making, like I would imagine if some like student was doing it and playing with it, like it wouldn't piss you I off would, as much. You'd, you'd, actually, you'd probably, would, rem, you'd probably remember yourself and go, Oh yeah. I do. yeah. And so. I actually get a lot of those people like indie filmmakers or filmmakers trying to ask me questions. And I, I love helping that because I come from that and I feel like I'm still in that territory. Sure. We always um, should be right. Yeah, yeah, and I respect that um, because it's not easy. And I've, again, I'm not saying I've suffered, but I had to learn things on my own and discover things, how to do things, and it was not hard. That's where your style comes um, from, though. I think it's those yeah. failures. I think that's really where it is. And I think homemade. maybe homemade. what you're getting at and what I, what pisses me off, too, is like we thrive off of like getting better off of those difficult moments. And we know when people are cheating that 
we yeah. feel we feel really shamed and sad for them because we know how easy it could have been for us to do the same when we didn't and we feel almost more remorseful for those people that decided yeah. to take the cheap and easy way out and it's just like damn it's a bummer you know like and you're right yeah. i mean we, we we don't we don't live in a vacuum we get inspired we just the beginning of our conversation was talking about all our inspirations and like where we get these yeah. things from but what you're doing is you're taking that inspiration and, and evolving it by showing your own voice and that's really I think that's where the difference is, you know? Yeah. And that's what should separate you as an artist as well as, you know, what sets you uh, different. Um, And and I get stuck as well. I mean, there's times where I don't know what to do about, especially like a burnout shot. Like how many freaking burnout angles of a shot could you do? (laughs) And then you you end up ripping yourself off again, like doing the same thing again. Um, And I struggle with that as well. I just like, how do I reinvent it? Especially when the client's asking for the same thing over and over again. And how do you change it up? And especially yeah. when you have an audience like, oh, we want to keep on going yeah. or do one with like my Porsche or whatever. <laughs> um, so I struggle with that. Like internally, creativeness is like, uh, how do I do this? Like, how do I? It's all about contrast, I think. I've always yeah. found that you, how you be authentic and original, you constantly push it by putting the contrast in there. And there should be a moment. It was actually kind of interesting. I went to, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Acronym, the clothing company. Acronym, I think so, maybe, yeah. My friend Errol. I'm so bad with names. It. Yeah, it's Acronym, and he, he does this um, these collaborations with um, Nike, and they just released a shoe, and I was at this this panel with him, and he was like, oddly enough, like he's really good friends with John Mayer, the singer, songwriter, yeah. and they're on this panel, and I've never heard John talk or anything, and he was just so articulate and so, so brilliant in what he was saying about like um, the, the being original, authentic, and creative is like there's this little gap between comfort and discomfort and like you want to be like right in that moment and i think you understand that about drifting it's like you're right in that moment of yeah chaos and perfection yeah. and smoothness and yeah. and i think that's the same thing with being creative it's like you have to go okay well um okay this is what i'm going to do uh, this new car video is i'm going to juxtapose it to this like silent v- film and they're like, what? Yeah. And you're like, no, this is how, this is how it does. This is how we evolve here. And like, check it out. And then, and they're yeah. like, we don't trust that. And they're like, we want something new. And then you show them, you know, yeah. what's new. And they go, no, we want what you made the last time. Cause it's safe. And you go, well, you would, just, if we said that we would still be like, you know, you know, uh, Neanderthals here, let's keep evolving here. And, and that's really yeah. the, the risk you have to take. And I find it usually comes from me personally, uh, creatively is from yeah. finding that contrast. But I don't know if like, cause yeah, I, I mean, it's gotta be hard. You are like, you know, you're on those pens wheel, like the madness, you know, it's continue yeah. making more and more of them. Um, mm-hmm. and how do you, you know, discover what's new for you and, and how do you reach for that? You know? Yeah. And that's like, I gotta like, I guess like any artist, I gotta reinvent myself and figure new things out and stuff. So like, I almost sometimes want to step back a bit and just kind of process. Um, it's good. You know, look around and see what other people are doing. But I do find automotive, um, not difficult to film, but trying to figure out what hasn't been done. It's hard, man. It's really hard to try to be innovative. And I'm constantly fighting that battle of, um, trying to rediscover things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the good thing is finding people that take risks. Like when BMW Canada did that, um, they took a huge risk, um, and a risk that worked, or I guess it kind of paved the way, like a new change in the way have, at least, at least for me, I think how advertising kind of changes, uh, for automotive, at least, uh, in advertising it, um, after BMW came out, 
Um, I think everyone else started jumping on the bandwagon, but I remember the first comment, they literally only had one comment, especially about sound design was during the shifts. And if you listen to my spot, the shifts sound like, like something's breaking. Um, (laughs) And they were used to having the sound of leather, like something soft. Sure. And their comment was like, why does it sound like something's breaking like a hammer or or like a, a massive like bass drop. Um, and I had to fight for that. I remember just like, just trust me, just let it be. You need those moments. You need those punctuation moments of like changing gears. Um, cause everything counts. That was so important. So, um, but they've been, they've, they've been pretty good. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny the notes that you get from things, you know, and that's, it's like, I like, I love, I love how stubborn you are though. I, you know, I've had it where like, sometimes I feel bad for being stubborn, yeah. yeah. And then I bet I, I, I think I've done this thing where before I decide to do a project and maybe I don't know if the same thing for you is before I really decide to jump in bed with a client, I really just lay it down and go, this is kind of how it works for me. And I'm hoping that this makes sense. And Process. I don't, I, yeah, like, this yeah. is, I, I work organically and I'm very rapid and, and I'm like, I like this thing and this and, and that and, and, and setting expectations so that we're not like, so we're not like when I come and send you something, you're like, wait, what? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that when, yeah. when I send you it did. to you, you can embrace yeah. it or you can encounter it and go, okay, wait, he, at least he warned me early on that he was going to be weird, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, or that no. he works organically or likes to work fast or whatever, yeah. you know? So do you do and the I'm, same thing? I am like, especially in advertising. Um, this is why I love it and hate advertising, but you have to educate the client on process and they're all used to, well, at least I'm not used to it, but they're all used to uh, maybe in North America, like the director goes films, all their content, and then they hand it off to someone else to go edit. And then the client goes into the editing room and then they edit the material. Um, but for me, I'm hands-on. Like I fucking edit all my work and I shoot most of my work as well because I understand the process. And awesome. to, to educate them on that is very difficult, um, especially for change. Um, because in my eyes, like, especially if I shoot something like that wedding video, if I shot it, <laughs> if I hand it off to someone else, they're not going to understand how it's being put together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I kind of just got used to is shooting my own shit and editing my own material because I know what I'm shooting for and how to put it together and how I'm going to put sound together. All those variables are so important. Like all those four elements, sound, shooting, editing, all that shit. Yeah. Um, and you have to kind of understand what's working with it. And if you just hand it off to another person, another editor, it's a whole new vision, a whole new style. Sometimes that's good. Of, yeah. But sometimes yes, it no, isn't. Abs- <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Um, I do agree with that. But so you, um, would you consider yourself a control freak then? I am. Yes, to a certain degree. But lately, I think in the past couple of years, I've been starting to let go. Maybe you're um, getting more, you'll be able to work with people like Charles Dean and people like that that yeah. are better than you in certain ways that are like complement what you're thinking. Sometimes yeah. that's really good too. Especially like editing. Editing is huge for me, man. Like, uh, yeah, I love editing. Like, so fun. It's just, you can change um, a complete story. Yeah. You can, I, I just, I think because of, I'm just used to doing it all and if, if you leave me alone, like literally I wish a client can give me money, just leave me alone for like a month and I'll give you something that's fucking awesome. Like yeah. no, no comments, but it's never like that. No. Um, but I mean, I wish I could, I it, mean, it might be like that eventually, you know, you gotta just keep stuff. climbing that ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Like not right now, but especially when you give it a quite a bit of money, then it's like, no, we're going to like, 
control you every step away. Yeah. yeah, and that's like, <laughs> and I'm not used to that, man. Like, I hate that part too. I edit on my own. Like, I seriously edit on my laptop, like on my kitchen counter, like in my underwear, like this space. <laughs> super simple. I remember when I submitted to the Clio's, um, which is like the advertisement awards. I guess like the Oscars, the North American equivalent to the Oscars for Clio's. Okay. I submitted to the Clio Awards, um, and I had a lot of trouble submitting because. I was supposed to be with a company for editing. Like, oh, yeah. I hate who's that. Who's the production house? Who's this, all this? And when That's I filled like, out the application, it was just me, like everything. Like, yeah. who's the... And they actually thought it was a joke. Um, and I had to get, like, um, reference from another company to prove that... Um, well, then again, I'm paying for the submission. But um, it was very difficult, especially for, like, an individual to submit. Hmm. Um. But then again, it just shows you like, um, I'm just used to that handheld. Yeah. You should embrace it. I hope you, I hopefully you embrace it. I, I, to me, what I look at and what was something I want to talk to you about and where this is all going, the future of all this stuff, the art form in, in general, and mm-hmm. how I feel a lot of like, you know, the Francis Ford Coppola's and the George Lucas's of our era, like, uh, you know, as, as amazing as it was to have that and the Steven Spielberg's and stuff like awesome. I, I, I maybe I could be completely blindsided to the thing, but I, I feel that the future of all this stuff is going to come more down to people like yourself and they're going off and making things and being able to just yeah. not have a middleman and really just going, Hey, this is me. And I think I got this from a quote that I will listen to, um, from Francis Ford Coppola in this, yeah. um, the heart of darkness. Have you seen that? The behind mm-hmm. the scenes of apocalypse uh, now? I think, yes, I have. Awesome. Yes, I have. It's it's incredible. And it really, like, if you're, (laughs) if you're ever interested in knowing what it is to make a film, I think you watch that and go, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't make a film because it's just like, it'll take you to the ends of the earth. And some people enjoy the process, (laughs) people don't. But what he said, and I think it was really, he was, he was, he was, he was freaking, he hit it on the head. And he, this is, mind you, this is way before YouTube and all that kind of stuff. But he was saying, like, you know, the, some person's is going to pick up a, like a camcorder and, and go make a film. And, and that's where, like, you know, some young kid, some young girl is going to go out there and just make, and that's, that's what the art is. That's what the art is. And that's really where the art is. It's, it's in that purity of honest expression. And it's not like being hindered by a million production decisions. It's about making yeah. that thing. And, and I think that it's good. To, I think you should celebrate that. And I think it's, I think there is this weird thing that, I find that weird too. I like to do all the stuff as much as I can myself too. Not because I don't love working with others or I don't, it's just that you, there's the thing inside my heart and my mind and my eye and my ear and everything like just, you don't know. And I have to get it out. And the only way is to like, you know, you could sit there and nausea to meetings and explaining things, but until like you can really get it out, it's like people won't know it until you do it purely from you. And that's probably why it hurts so much when people hate on your shit. Cause you're like, Hey, you're hating me like purely beyond my body. Like you're hating yeah. my soul like, right now. And that sucks, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is so, a part of it, you know? So I don't know. Uh, another thing is um, like, because technology is also becoming more easier. Like you can do everything yeah. like on one source, it. one camera and, you know, to take advantage of that um, was huge. And I think I was during that transition when, the camcorder, that DVX 100, there comes that reference again. Um, <laughs> that camera became Game affordable. Changer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, at least for me, it was super expensive, but it was that bridge of like letting other indie filmmakers, um, you know, elevate their work in terms of putting a, a film look, which was massive, a massive transition. 
Um, and there was a massive jump, especially online. Yeah. A lot of content that came out, a lot of uh, people filming stuff, getting more creative, getting more resourceful and doing stuff um, because of technology at the same time was advancing and allowing us to do that. Um, so I really am I'm thankful for that because I think if it went back to the old ways of like filming tape to tape, editing and all that, there's a lot of steps to make something, but maybe I would have enjoyed that as well. Sure. The old Never know, ways. right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like the Hitchcock kind of style, you know, but the problem with that is there's only one Hitchcock, you know, That's and, true. and, and as beautiful and amazing as um, his work is and so much to be learned from it, it's just kind of like it, it, it removes the idea that there could have been somebody else at that time that could have made something just as good, if not better, you know, That's you true. just give them that tool. And so I, I'm all about the what ifs. And I think just giving people the, their tools that they need to make things. And that's, what's built like, brilliant you know like my bud yeah my buddy anthony and this is funny because you guys are canadians and I, and I find that like you know jim cameron too and a lot of people i know up in canada it's like this interesting resourcefulness that you guys have up there where you're just like you're so close to america but you're not and then you're not americans yeah. but you are and it's just like i want to be a filmmaker in hollywood but i'm up in vancouver or toronto and you guys just kind of go well i'm just going to do it all myself <laughs> you know yeah and I, and I love that I'm, I'm all about that i think that's to me it's fascinating i think that's one thing i learned from about jim is like when you're on set or you're working with him is he usually knows how to do your job just as good as you. And that way you yeah, can't get away from it. shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's, he's cut, he's cut his teeth, you know, and that's, what's cool yeah. about it. And I, to me, that's when you really, I really respect, um, that kind of director is like, okay, well like you can leave yeah. this. You're the captain because I know, you know what I'm doing and you know how shitty this is right now. And, yeah. or it's like, you know what we're trying to do here. So and I, I find that fascinating. I, I, I also love that you shoot a lot of your work. Your work is, um, the stuff you do is stunning. It's really beautiful. And I was going to ask you kind of what gear are you using, how you've decided those things and evolved because I'm really um, getting into cinematography a lot more nowadays too. So, yeah, yeah. I think, well, obviously, in my mind, because I can shoot it, um, then I'll have more control. But um, for toys and stuff, I, man, I hop, like, obviously, like, when Red came out at the time, I think it was, like, a 50 grand camera, but... Yeah, it's so funny um, how, like, much it dropped, too. <laughs> like, not yeah, funny, that's yeah, a sad thing. On eBay, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. super cheap. Yeah, uh, five, five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I would always, um, like... How do you keep up gear. with that stuff too? Yeah, it's it's really it's really difficult. But having the camera was like super important because if I had a camera, then I can go and shoot stuff. And if I couldn't record sound, that's totally fine. But having that tool was super important to me. And I've I've had everything, man. Um, like the DVXs. Um, uh, I haven't had a red because it's too expensive. But when DSLRs you came rent into, those, you rent those. Yeah. yeah, when DSLRs came into. Uh, more popularity or that transition. The 5D Mark II, I think it was like the, 5D was huge, man. That yeah, was baby. Like, that was like another changing. I That's think what I still use. <laughs> I have yeah. one of those still. Yeah, it's that was great. that was huge. But I've hopped all over the map. Like I jumped from Panasonic to Sony to Canon. Yeah. And uh, I remember I'd, I would just invest into lenses yeah. that I would be able to adapt into each. Uh, I think it was a set of Nikon lenses I had. Hmm. And I can buy adapters and adapt it to like the Sony, then to the Canon, and then to um, then something else or whatever. Um, but I'm always, I don't know, I, I, I think most of my friends make fun of me because I'll buy a camera and then like six months later, I'll get rid of it and get something else. Sure. Well, that's how rapid uh -huh. it changes though. Because there's, yeah. there's like the five companies and they're all battling. 
and they're battling for our money and they're constantly like one upping one another, you know, like right yeah. now it's like Sony's crushing the game right now for like yeah, a handheld I, DSLR game. It's like pff, game over everybody. <laughs> like absolutely. Yeah, Sony's like, um, coming. They're coming up with their new, um, a seven three, three, a seven three just dropped. And that's my next camera I'm getting. I'm just waiting for it to drop. And it's, that's, it's so powerful. Like the only thing I, I wish I had was 10 bit, but it's still like everyone complains about 10 bit. Yeah. I already yeah. pre-ordered. I'm waiting for that thing <laughs> as well. Uh, because I just like, I think just holding, even like on a lot of my sets, awesome. um, even if I can't film or hold the camera, like give me something to hold. Like I want to give me a C stand. Like I gotta, I gotta be working cause I'm used to doing that. Um, even when I show up on set, um, I just get used to like, doing it myself even though we have people to like adjust the whatever c stand or stands and stuff sure i'm so hands-on with that and that's like good so important to me yeah. um especially with camera shit because i love shooting my own shit so yeah that's awesome and so so with like the penzel stuff obviously that's a bigger gig and that you got you know yeah i imagine room for like renting gear and stuff so are you More using toys like and stuff sure yeah. using red for that are you shooting um, the, the alexa I think for or the something very, or? yeah for the very first one um, which was shot in Cape Town, by the way. Which um, one? Airlift Drift. Airlift Drift. The very okay. first one, Airlift Drift. All right. Um, that was filmed on Red. Is I think, that the Hellcat? You know, is that what it is? That's the very first uh, Hellcat that came out. 707 horsepower um, Dodge Beast. Yeah. Uh, which is Savage. a piece of shit, by the way. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's horribly made, but it's rad. But, <laughs> As um, most Dodge so, stuff is, you know, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, and I remember, because um, a lot of my stuff, I just... I'm very minimal with my lighting because going back to an indie filmmaking way, I didn't have money to get my lighting. That's so the best way would, anyway. So I would bank on a lot of artificial light or f- find locations that have natural lighting. Yeah. So that we, we don't have to do anything or it's basically turnkey. Yep. So that was all, most of it was all in camera. Um, like just natural city light and Cape town itself is an awesome playground to film for car commercials and stuff. Cape town. Uh, wait, what Cape town? Where is this like, a- uh, we went to, to Cape town at the time. I, um, wasn't allowed to work in the U S well, I didn't have my O one visa and we mm. had to do it by the book. Um, so I actually almost lost the job because of that, but we did throw them a wild card and say that, um, we could film in Cape town, which is on the other side of the world there. And Cape town is the largest North America looking city out of North America. Hmm. Interesting. Um, it's a, it looks like LA or something. That's why I thought almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can, I can kidnap you and then take you to Cape town and open up. And you think you're like in New York or something like that. It's, Hmm. it's quite interesting. Uh, It's small too, but it's the largest looking. And they wanted at the time they wanted a, a generic city. So it could look like LA or it could look like Chicago or could like New York. Sure. So Cape town, Cape town is perfect because, not a lot of people filmed there and I wanted locations that weren't, uh, um, quite well known, like in LA, like everyone knows a lot of the film locations. Um, so that's why we went there. They're all overused too. Yeah. Yeah. So we went there because it was just a, I couldn't work in the States at the time. Um, and we moved the entire production to Cape town, Interesting. We the cars. Um, and it just cost wise ended up working out. I think it was actually cheaper to film there. Hmm. Um, but it was freaking awesome, man. I hated going there. Um, my, my time there first couple of days, I hated it. But then after that, I just love it there. It's an amazing place. I want to go back there to film if I can. It's, um, you can do anything there. There's a lot of yes and no, no answers there. 
in terms of uh, getting permission to do stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. There, so. No, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, Cape Town. Um, I've never even heard about that. Like, I know the song. I know it from like a UB40 song or something. I think that's yeah. like the, my extension of, of knowing about it. That's interesting that they have that though. No, but it's yeah. really, it's, it's rad too. And that's cool that you're using because that's one thing I was going to ask you too is like I, I sense a lot of, you understand how to do like post shake and post push in and stuff like that where you're shooting big, but you can kind of, you have some room cause your final output I imagine it's like two K or something. But if you shoot yeah. four, you get like another range of like 25% or so of scalability. Yeah. So no, it's just, and just lots of fun, you know, it's like, again, it's just, it, it's just, it's just playing, you know, you're just playing yeah. stuff. So shooting 4k at the time was also like, like you said, repo frames, um, I'm not into big camera shakes. I do. I try to do everything in camera. Hmm. Um, actually, I don't think I've ever done camera shake. And post everything's shake? all. Yeah, not because I find it like the alpha rhythms are too artificial. Yeah, it's hard to get um, that sure. delay in the in the exposure too. You don't get the. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. can you can mimic it, but and there's ways to mimic it. Um, and if it's a fast cut, you can do it without people knowing. But yeah, I mean, some some I think some cases I kind of did. I uh, shouldn't say that, but. Sometimes I had to do it, but literally like 99% of the time, the camera is not sped up. Everything's all based on like how the camera is moving to mimic that. Um, so I've, I, I use that technique um, and I do zoom into plates. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but I do take advantage of that as well. Why don't why shouldn't uh, you say that? I, I don't know. I just feel like, like for me, I, I like for me to use camera shake is like a massive no, no. <laughs> um, and I'll, why is that? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just like, even like subconsciously, I just find it like it's something I, I can't do or especially for like speeding up footage is a, 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 another big no, no. I don't want to do that. Cause I just find it's going against what I believe in, in terms of, especially for car performance uh, and keeping it in camera, but well, keeping it as genuine also, as possible. But then you have yeah. somebody like driving on a, like a, like a boat and stuff, <laughs> you know, Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you have that. Yeah, it's curious. I mean, it's uh, curious. It's um, because there's limits, then, right? There's limits to there, what you're doing. There, there is limits, and sometimes you have to uh, take advantage, and you know, like, like, don't tell anyone that I'm like shaking the shot or whatever. Because <laughs> for me, it's like a personal thing. I just want to stick to what I'm used to doing and my beliefs in terms of filming it and capturing it, and just using everything naturally, and then that comes out aggressive and raw and everyone asks those questions about did you camera shake and what frame rates were you filming at <laughs> and everything's at 24p and that's it and just maybe some slow motion whatever that's different but sure just keep the camera moving and all those objects in front of you will make it look like you're going twice as fast or yeah counter the camera or joust them or whatever like there's all those little tips and tricks that you could do to mimic it uh and make it look like you did all those post work when you did it when you know, i just cut and that's it so yeah and that's good though because then you can kind of discover what like works for you and i think a lot of it just comes down to like doing it yourself and finding what works and what doesn't because oftentimes yeah. there's a big divide like let's say oh i want to get into filmmaking and then you're okay cool you go online you find like the cheap camera you do the affordable things and you go out and shoot something and you're like wow this looks like balls and you know why mm -hmm. and then you gotta go okay well let me keep going and trying and then you research books and then you read roger deacon's blog and you know like yeah. you do all those resources and you find and then eventually you're able to find the resources or the, the way that you like to shoot and the kinetic energy and stuff so 
yeah which is good there's a lot of online resources like now there's so much tutorials on how to do this and all that um i mean i i've always thought about like i always share like on how i do stuff or whatever but sometimes i have secrets on ways of how i do it sure that's good though you should have you should have some stuff kept secret recipe yeah Yeah. i think that's good though because that's where your that's your value you know that's what separates you Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah. And I think it's important to keep, to maintain that and keep that, you know, cause if you don't, yeah. then it's just like, well, then everybody's just going to copy you. And then yeah. I guess that's a, that's the time where you learn to like evolve past yourself, I guess, you know, which is kind of yeah. difficult, but yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask you kind of, where's the future of all this? Where do you think that film's going and, and where are films going to be in 10 years? You know, like, like how oh. much has changed for us in the past 10 years, but where do you think it's going? I think like, I, I honestly think like um, big production films, like I don't know if that's, I think those will always be there, like popcorn stuff, but I think a lot of the more of the indie stuff will start, maybe start becoming more easier, especially as people are becoming more, having access to film shit and equipment available. I think that whole community is going to get massive and larger, um, especially like Netflix and Amazon and all those non by the machine, like through the Hollywood process, um, especially as technology gets better in filming. But um, long-term wise, like I, I, I think just more people, more stuff is going to get put out in terms of like easiness as people will be able to do it in tools that will be available. Um, but yeah, like, um, I don't know, I actually got to think about that. <laughs> Yeah. It's uh to step back and think about it. It's um sound like you've been very busy. <laughs> I have, yeah. No, no. And it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to do all these things, you know, to to, to pitch and to run a job and deal with the day to day production of things and, and then be aware of the stuff that's around you as well. It's hard uh, because you have to put your head down yeah. for those things and then you come up, you're like, Wait, what what? You know? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, things have changed, but that's yeah, something that I, I I have a saying because you're you're a freelancer then, right? Because you're yeah, yeah. So I always feel yeah. like as a freelancer, you have your foot in one and, and your and your and one foot in the other, and your head's yeah. in the clouds, but your feet are on the ground. So you're like and doing four things at the same time, you know. So and you're constantly juggling that stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I'm I'm just interested and curious. Uh, another thing I was going to ask you is: is there a film or a set of films or a show or something that has really excited you or impressed you over the past uh, this past year? Um, oh, this year? Oh, did I? Or I'm, even in, last year? Maybe the last, last 12, 12 months and last twelve months. Um, I wanted to see and I didn't was um. Uh, Baby Driver. What is that movie mm-hmm. called? Um, yeah, Baby Driver. I mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think like I think when I watched the trailer, I saw a lot of things that were kind of like same style or whatever. And I just I don't know. It was on my to do list. Like everyone's like, go get to watch it. Got to check it out. Sure. Um, and I maybe I might download it. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I maybe I'll buy it and then. Uh, you can download it off iTunes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> download it on iTunes and yeah. then check it out. But yeah, I think uh, like Blade Runner was fucking rad. Yeah. Um, I you think, big, are you a big sci-fi guy? Yeah, I fucking lo- I would love to tap into um, sci-fi genre, especially for like films and stuff, just yeah. to change it up a bit. Even if there was a car in there or whatever, like Mad Max stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to explore into that, get into that. I love sci-fi. Um, Did you enjoy Fury Road? Free Road, yes, man. Especially um, 
growing up watching like the old school Mad Max film. Yeah. Um, that's another I, car I, movie, another heavy car movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's like pure car. That's basically all it is. Yeah. Um, that I, I loved. I loved the editing in it. Um, pretty nuts that saw- they got that back in the day, man. If you see behind the f- scene footage of dudes just like hanging out with like a like a sixty pound rig, <laughs> oh, it's films, man. That's that's what I love about it. You feel it, like yeah, especially dude. when I always the film. My dad had a Subaru uh, GT wagon, hmm. um, and my buddy would hang me out of the car and <laughs> film me like with my underwear or whatever. But the same way they did the same stuff, and you feel that in in the shots, like. Yeah, there's something dangerous about it, and I think that's what I love about all those old um, classic films versus what's now. But in terms of recently, like um, Mad Max was pretty rad. Um, there hasn't been really good car films. I was really bummed out by the James Bond car chase uh, in that film. The last oh one yeah, I didn't watch that one. Is it like he's driving an old Beamer? Beamer, right? Yeah, or is I think that, it's is like that... a Aston Martin or something. I don't know what it was. It was. Um, I think I walked out on it. Oh. I just, I just got so stoked for it. I was like, "Oh shit, this is gonna be rad!" Because they they hyped it all in the making of, uh, and I was expecting quite a bit. And then I saw it, and then I think um, I just left. Or I think I walked into another film. I can't remember what I did. Um, but um, there was another. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. It's not Mad Max. Oh yeah, I just haven't seen. Uh, Man, I just this is the first year where I haven't been keeping up with all my films. Yeah, it's oh, it's a it's a part time job, really. It is. Yeah, like, I try to watch as many films as possible, but it's still like it's tough for me. I'm going back to like the old Kobayashi and Akira Kurosawa stuff. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. that stuff is so awesome. It's so so well done. Um, but like, yeah, I'll put it on before I go to bed, and and I'll just crash out from it yeah know? so it's, it it, been, it's difficult there, yeah there hasn't been anything that's like inspired me um that just makes me feel good when i walk out or gives me energy to go make something else um like um, i hate that just <laughs> yeah just like because i always go in it just to help with my creative juices like something to kind of kick me in the butt and get me to do something else or whatever yeah so i always depend on something um um to, like i don't know i always see that as my like my medicine basically sure. or, yeah. or especially online content is if I see something that I came across, that's freaking awesome, man. It just like turns my day around and I'm like back on it, like working on shit or whatever. Um, so I depend on other people to make cool shit. Sure. Of course we so, all do. Right. I mean, again, we're not in a vacuum here, you know, so yeah. And yeah. wanting to, to be inspired by other creatives. And that's, again, I think that's why it hurts so much and people just rip because it's like, dude, come on. You know, like let's be authentic yeah. and celebrate your authenticity and be yeah. unique and celebrate your, you know, where you live and what you shoot with and stuff. I live yeah. out in, um, I live like two hours east of LA and I'm in like the high desert and Anthony, okay. Anthony yeah. lives up in Toronto and he'll send me photographs. Uh, he'll just walk around the city. I'm like, you dick. Cause it looks so rad and especially through his eye. And then I'll go like, I'm out in the desert and I'm like, man, this sucks. (laughs) You know, like I'll get a photo and it it looks cool. And and one thing I realized is you have to embrace what you have and do, and do what you can with it and, and be, um, cool with being just authentic with whatever it is that you're making, you know? So, yeah, yeah. your surroundings definitely affect you. Excuse me. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think that's just part of it. Do you have a, a director that in mind that you, that you um, have been inspired by over the years? Oh fuck dude. Um, yeah. Like 
Paul Greengrass, all his Born Identity shit. I loved his stuff a lot. Mm. Um, the Ronin guy, what's his name? John Frack, uh, bless his soul. Uh, John Frackenheimer, what's his name? John I think Frackenheimer? that's it. Yeah, yeah. Ronin. Ronin, man, I, I, I. That film was like. I think I destroyed the VHS tape on that machine, but same. I, I had it on time. VHS too. Frankenheimer, yeah. Um, he was a car dude. He did like all the Le Mans films uh, back in the day and stuff. Um, I, I, especially Ronin was like huge for me when that came out. Um, I always really remember the car stuff from those films. Yeah, just the car, just Damn. the car stuff. Yeah, just raw, like totally in your face, just super raw, totally. and like not like bougie cars too, like totally like normal people cars, which I was like even cooler because it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't about because um, that's oftentimes the thing is like with this car stuff. It's like ah, oh, it's it's a Ferrari, it's a Lamborghini, like those are your go tos, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's even cooler and that's what I love about Petrolicious. So do, do you, are you big into Petrolicious stuff? Do you, what I, you doing? I do follow them. Uh, a buddy of mine does actually quite a bit of work for them. Um, I should actually get more into it. I just, I, I do follow it. I do watch a lot of the stuff that comes out. I love what they're doing, um, with all the cars, especially all the vintage shit and yeah. retro stuff. I, I love that. It's awesome. Um, and, um, but yeah, I should, um, I should follow them. I, I do. I just, I should uh, branch more into it. I just haven't had time to be honest to look sure. at it all. So yeah, you're going, man. You're busy, busy yeah. guy, dude. It's been, um, it's been awesome talking with you and getting to meet you. Yeah. Man. And I appreciate <laughs> the time and see how fast it flies by. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're almost at like pass out enough. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, did you have anything else that you wanted to make sure that we covered or like, is there common questions that you get from people that you want um, to address here that just maybe help people out or just tell people shut the fuck up or what? <laughs> yeah. Like I think the, then again, everyone's asking me like, how do I do this? I think the sure. biggest thing is, um, again, this is my opinion on it is to, um, just film stuff, film shit that you think is cool. Um, and as long as you think deep, deep down inside that it's awesome, then I think everyone else should be able to see on the same bandwagon and see that same thing as well and make mistakes or don't be afraid to try stuff. I mean, I fuck up a lot of times and I make mistakes all the time and you learn from that most of the time. Um, and that's important. And don't be scared to do it as well. Like, holy shit. Um, that's a huge thing. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty important. Um, yeah, like, just getting out and doing gonna, it, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the it's difference, gonna, really. Huh? What's going to happen is like the interview is going to be finished, and then I'm like, oh shit, what about this and what about that? That's always the case of like, I always forget <laughs> to say or whatever. So yeah, well, I mean, it's a spur of the moment. This is the first time we've ever spoken, so and like yeah. the just we can always do like I have you know continual guests that come on we always talk and then you know oh we should talk about this or that or like yeah there might be a cool project or there might be like this big thing that you're interested in and you want to talk about and share it with people or whatever it might be and you're you know you can always come back on we can do that too so it's not like uh, this isn't the end all be all no we can talk about the like all the ken block stuff and all that yeah i was going to ask you a little bit about ken and um have you consider being involved with him are you is it something that you're looking at doing? i have never now that i brought it up i have never worked with him before any interest uh, i would love to i know he um replicated my my bmw aircraft carrier there's a shot where the bmw goes on the edge of the aircraft carrier um and i know he replicated that in one of his latest ones 
late, uh, one of them, yeah. yeah. Um, but the one thing about like I love what he does. I'm I'm a, I've, I'm a fan of it. I think it was Ben Ben Conrad who did um, all those films. Yeah, Ben. Uh, when, He's a friend yeah. of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I if we can cross paths one day, that'll be awesome. I don't know how. I mean, he has something that's going on that's really unique. Uh, he has a massive fan base, and but he's all about like the multicam documentary style capturing um, stuff, and I love that. But also, I just I'm more into the more the cinematic stuff, more controlled, more set up. Um, but I don't know how I could. That would be really that cool, though. It would be cool right. to see your eye on something with him that would be different from the. Um, you know, I think what he loves to do is he catches the moment and that's really what he's saying is like, look at, check out fucking bonkers. This is, there's no editing here. It's just me going crazy. And we have all these cameras to document it like that. And to me, that's really rad because it's just like, there is no room to hide, you know, as is, yeah, it exploits everything. It shows everything. hundred percent. You see his face, you see his, him, his grimace and all like, and to me, that's really rad, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough line too, but that would be, I would, it'd be really cool to see kind of, I mean, maybe there's also like Ryan Turek and stuff, you know, too, because Ryan's, mm-hmm. Ryan's been doing all this stuff with like Donut Media and stuff too, because that could be yeah. really, you know, yeah. be really cool. So. I would love to uh, tap in or just to change it up. I mean, I know what I'm doing now is pretty cool, especially showing cars in, in a, in a different format that people are not used to or basically like how they should be filmed properly. But um, just to change it up. Um, where are you? Are cool. you still up in Vancouver? Or are you come down to, I, uh, to LA every yeah. once in a while or what? I do actually. I'll be in LA. Um, what day is it today? Wednesday, Thursday, tomorrow, Thursday. I'll be down there for grade. Um, but I'm down there quite a bit frequently, but awesome. you're in LA. So you just said that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple uh, hours away. Yeah. We should meet up. Yes. Uh, be fun. Oh, but you can come out to the, and I'll take you up in the canyons and the SX. It's fun. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's some awesome. cool, there's some really good driving roads up in, um, Topanga, I think up in, uh, LA Hills and stuff. There's some really cool mm-hmm. roads up there too. So yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, just actually, I did want to touch on if that's okay. There was Please. one thing I just Please. mentioned was, yeah. um, there was a lot of, um, especially for car stuff, um, as things were, there's a lot of things that I got inspired from online. Um, especially that I sort of follow a lot of the underground stuff. There was a series of films called getaway in Stockholm. Um, and I think this is early in the early two thousands and it was very similar to the rendezvous films. Um, but those had a very huge inspiration and impact on my life in terms of broad gradiness and as is uh, multicam. And this was done like prior before, I don't know how they did it. Um, like bullet, ca- uh, like lipstick cameras or whatever. Yeah. This is even for the DX, but there was a massive underground community that was, um, like, I guess following that, that, that life, that culture, like ghost Rider, all those films. Oh yeah. Of, ghost uh, Rider. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes, it comes from the same series of, of, um, of films or same styles. Um, but that had a massive influence on, on what I do or I followed it at the time. And I remember reaching out to one of the guys um, who've done it, but I think there was an accident or there was a, um, a fatality during the time. And then he severed my communication because I don't know if it was a legal thing or whatever. Sure. Um, but I was really interested in being a part of that and I didn't know how to talk to them or re- like 
be like what to do. Um, and I remember I was just hungry for that stuff, um, just to do what they're doing or mimic it. And then I realized that it's actually really difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, in Canada. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And film that stuff. So. Sure. How about like what Magnus Walker and those guys did with the Urban Outlaw and stuff? Yeah, that's cool. That's all awesome. I mean, that's all kind of the similar f- flavor, like the Ronde du Ronde du film uh, that was filmed in the seventies. Yeah. Um, like I love all that stuff. Um, that gives me like inspiration. I love seeing that from other people doing it. Um, it's just great that they're kind of doing it kind of run and gun style as well. Um, cause there's a lot of imperfections in it, but I think that's what kind of adds to it is are, are all those imperfections. Yeah. Um, and all those pieces. And I think that's kind of, um, it's cool that you, that you're, you know, uh, letting everybody know too, kind of where your inspiration comes from. Cause it, what I think, um, going and watching these things as you're talking to, it's like the cool thing is what I'm looking at this is what you make is, is your, um, you're evolving it. If that makes sense. I'm trying to find the word, but it's, it's like, you saw this thing, it's cool. And then you're like, okay, well, what if I brought my film? Like, what if I brought film level to this? You know, like what if we made the cinematic and what if we added the noise properly? And like, what if we cut this properly and like whatever. And, um, I think that's, I don't know if if, 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 if I'm being honest, what I'm getting from it is like, Hey, do this thing, but let's, you know, be original and authentic about it. Yeah. 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 Or just add your twist to it, you know, and like be cool, like be aware of that, like, or be cool with like having a twist to it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's one thing, especially for like the fast and furious franchise films. Um, I don't watch like those, I'm, but yeah, everybody, like, it's so funny. People that aren't car people, they ask me cause they know I'm into cars. They, Oh, you watch that? Like, man, don't, don't ask me about those films. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a dick about that stuff that I, I'm yeah. just, uh, not a fan, but yeah. Same. Like I, I, I did see the first one in theaters, but like I, I same with me. I, I don't watch them. I, I just not a fan of them. Yeah. To me, I feel like it, it will, it will like, will hurt my process if I watch it. Like, I, like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just don't yeah. see it. I just, it drives me nuts. Same. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a place so. for it. And I don't want to be dicks because I know no. there's, there's people I know that work on them and I don't mean to say yeah. that you guys no, aren't good. And I, yeah. and it's, it's definitely its own thing. It's just not for me. Like I think you're saying too, it's like, it's just not for us. So especially for cars, man, like, cause I'm a, like I'm a car person. I love that. I want to see that. Yeah. And that film is all about cars and culture and all that. Um, but I just wish, um, it was exploited and yeah, it it was exploited in a way, um, at least to my standards, at least that's freaking awesome. Like I want to hear that engine. I want to hear all that stuff, especially see it in action. Filming car. Like that's another thing is filming cars in motion is actually really difficult. Very difficult. Um, and especially, capturing it in a way that is unique and, and puts some in things into perspective. Um, I think that's really challenging and that actually depends on, on your locations and affects the process and how you do it. But capturing that dynamicness is where I feel a lot of those films are flawed in how they showcase it. Um, and I don't know, it, it upsets me a little bit. Um, yeah. because I want to see that. I really want to see a car and how, you know, especially when you're driving, if you were driving that car, I think you would get a better experience because you're just beating the shit out of that car. Um, and 
it's basically applying that same process, but just capturing it. <laughs> That's basically all it is yeah. in a proper format. So. In, a, in an honest way. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I appreciate it. And I applaud you for what you've been doing because I think you're really, you know, adding your own twist to it. And it's obviously showing because it's being mimicked. So that's when mm-hmm. you know you're doing something right, you know. So, but yeah, um, yeah man. No, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. I'm excited to see what you do in the future. And it would be really rad at some point to somehow collaborate and do something fun together because... I think um, it's kind of a rare thing to be into art, art and cars to combine. So it's like yeah. those two kind of really interesting worlds. So, yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. There you have it, everyone. That concludes this week's episode. Big thank you to Ozon for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com/slash one hundred and seventy-six, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. We'll see you on the next one.